people's expectations are changing, right? Like the thing is that not only are people's expectations changing, there are external players coming into veterinary medicine that are living up to those expectations, right? So that's what I mean when I say like, I speaking for the small businesses when I say like, you need to look at what can you do to compete with somebody who has an app with 24 seven telemedicine access. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud Veterinary Marketing Podcast. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have someone you may have never even heard of. I, you're an influencer, you say. Daniel Lambert of Snout School. Has anyone in vet med ever heard of you? I don't think so. I don't, I don't really know very many people in veterinary medicine, and I'm kind of new here. But thank you for giving me a shot, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> You are one of the most famous people in veterinary medicine. <laughs> and I don't know. I would say if you're listening to this podcast, you're very aware of who Daniel Lambert is. Most people know how close you and I are. I said to you before we started recording, let's just burn it all to the ground and see what happens, which is typically how you treat your social media pages. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know, I really like to just test it. So I got tested today. <laughs> well, you know what they say, you don't make diamonds without pressure or something along those lines, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I am getting married in a few months. So I, you know, diamonds are definitely of interest to me. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, it just all goes together. <laughs> we'll be uh, linking to her registry in the show notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's an idea. Honestly, had I known that was an option coming into this, I would have had something ready. <laughs> Actually, could you imagine that would be, there is an idea. <laughs> like affiliate marketing for wedding registries <laughs> for influencers who can like actually get their name out there. No one steal this idea. This is ours. TM. This is uh, our new business. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm re before we film this episode, I'm registering registrycloud.com right now. Everyone's <laughs> <Registry Cloud>. <laughs> Oh my God. I love well, it. I think that, yeah, we clearly could just like spitball on just about anything today, but I, I, I am excited to be here to catch up with you because I was the first episode, wasn't I? You were the first episode. You're oh the first God. person in vet med that really took the time to get to know me personally and my thoughts and my feelings and my fears. <laughs> and yeah, and now we are, I don't know, 40 something episodes in. I think people, I've talked to a lot of people who said they've never missed an episode. And I'm always like, God, I'm sorry. I had a vet <laughs> that said, I listen to you when I work out. I'm like, yeah, I, I can frustrate people. I can see how I'd be like good workout fuel. <laughs> so that's the... Uh, <laughs> We'll get the rage flowing. I'm into that. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah, we'll go for that today. <laughs> well, it's it's funny how much looser I am now. Like I remember the day we first did our thing. Like I didn't even have a microphone yet. I'm like, oh, hey, my name's Adam. I started a <laughs> You guys like pretty websites? And now I'm like, now I'm like f bombs, and I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> listen, this is how it's gonna work. So yeah, I've definitely changed. But you're back, and you haven't been on in a couple years, and and I think. A lot of people that follow Whisker Cloud and work with Whisker Cloud know you and work with you and follow you. You and I are super, super aligned, I think, on a lot of veterinary medicine. And I'll, and I'll tell you, for everyone out there listening, and I'm going to take this further because I go back with you like six years now, like going back to even like our first podcast, but let alone going back to when I first met you. I remember I first met you and I was 
freaking really new to vet med and, and I'm sitting here saying, you know, you were kind of filling me in and I'm like, yeah, I've noticed it's a little toxic and there's some crazy shit. And I said, but we're going to help. We're going to help. And like, I don't know vet med. It's like seven years later and it's, it's getting crazier <laughs> by the day. We're like, we're like, you know, it's, you talk about like rebuilding the plane while you're midair, except we're rebuilding the plane midair while it's, it's on, on fire, fire. Heading, yeah, yeah, heading for a mountain. The mountain's <laughs> also on fire. The fire on the mountain's also on fire. And I'm not talking about me or Danielle or Whisker Cloud or Snout Group. I'm talking about Vet Med. Yeah, Vet Med is definitely an interesting kind of uh, time right now. You know, COVID, it had some pros and cons. You know what I mean? And it is interesting. I truly believe that COVID just accelerated pre-existing problems that veterinary medicine had, right? And I think that it is one of those things where when you have, I feel like like the boy who cried wolf or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've been like warning people of things forever. And then I was like, wait, guys, no, seriously. <laughs> you know, like, a, like it's more chicken little, chicken little. That's the one. Cause I think, you know, like it's, and by that, I mean things like, hey, you know, we got to get better at communicating with clients more proactively, more efficiently. We've got to get better at like being clear on who we do and do not serve. We've got to be clear on like, how are people paying for this? I think that these are things that I've literally been saying since before I even started snout school. And it is what it's like the trippiest experience to watch it all happen. And obviously, I work with like, amazing forward thinking clients that really do want to kind of see changes happen and make changes happen and that are more innovative but like the industry as a whole like watching it get so chaotic throughout these interesting covid times it's one of those things you just sit back and you're like oh my gosh and i feel like i'm like gaslighting myself because i'm like didn't i tell talking to you guys about this didn't we warn you like this was coming but, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty on things. So it's been interesting to watch. <laughs> well, and, and like, let me piggyback on that really quick from like my perspective for something that I think is going to hit really hard here. But I, I want people to understand like my view of this. So in vet med, please listen to this. Like what we're saying today, this isn't like scare tactic shit. So my parents owned like high end clothing stores all up and down the Las Vegas trip my whole life. And I'm talking, you know, when I say high end, it's like, oh, you want a nice button up? It's 500 bucks. You want a nice suit? It's three to 5,000. They had a lot of celebrities in there. They had three stores at the Mandalay Bay, Venetian Palazzo, Monte Carlo. They weren't in bad. They had one at Luxor when I was very young, but they were in nice hotels. Like they were in the Luxor when Luxor was brand new and nice. And and anyway, <laughs> the, like the point was where I worked there in like high school and college, this was like 20 plus years ago. And, and I was, this was, I'm not kidding. This is 20 years ago. I ran like, I ran a MailChimp list. I can't believe MailChimp settled. I did a MailChimp list for them. And I had like little websites where, or people could order stuff. I mean, this was pre- Nordstrom.com. Think about that. And, I'm, and right. I'm sitting here and they're doing well. And I remember when I, I, I worked for them through college and I left and wor worked at advertising agencies. And I remember saying to them, you're heading for a cliff because like now you have the internet, you can shop online. Amazon's getting bigger. You're going to have Nordstrom. You're going to have these other things. Like you guys are luxury items, but you're also overpriced because you're resort wear. So, you know, mm -hmm. like they would have a Robert Graham shirt for $700 that at Nordstrom was $500. So either way it's expensive, but it's still $200 difference. But now people can pull out their iPhone and actually go to Nordstrom.com and say, Oh, you're $200 higher. So they didn't realize that. And right. the problem with them was 
they didn't have websites after I left, even though I offered to do it. They weren't doing marketing. <laughs> they weren't doing social media. And guess what? They died. They no longer have a single one of those stores. And it has drastically altered the pretty baller life they had to a life that is not on that level anymore in Las Vegas. And I think like the thing to take away from that is they refused to their core to see and hear my warnings that you don't do marketing. You don't have a website. Now you're competing with Amazon. You're competing with Nordstrom. You're competing with, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue website where they do sales because they don't care. You guys don't do sales. They're gone. They're gone. Their businesses are gone. And I'll say one last thing, because then I really want your take on this for vet hospitals. I mean, I just cannot say this another time. Banfield, VCA, all the other (laughs) consolidators, they're there. They're around the corner from you and they're spending $100, $200 a day in your zip code. And they, trust me, they're in meetings. You know what those meetings say? Go crush everyone, period. <laughs> no mercy. So I will um, I will leave all the positive things I just said and get your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like, I think honestly your backstory being so similar to my backstory is why when, you know, like if we're coming into this and we are, like you said, it's like, this isn't scare tactics. This isn't us. Like I'm so beyond like that at this point in my career, I just (laughs) want to know that I said what I said, but for us, I think both of us come from this background of working within our, our parents' businesses, right? My dad had his, has, still has his veterinary clinic and having the chance to kind of experiment with that business, right? Which is like an amazing privilege to have growing up to have somebody that will let you kind of like tinker with their business a little bit like that. And the thing is, we both came up against then in the end, ultimately <laughs> a little bit of maybe some boomer mentality of like, no, no, I got this. And it's always, you know, trying to tell your parents what to do is like a whole nother conundrum. But I think like, that's really where we, we both come from a place like we care, <laughs> you know, like we, but we both come from a place of like trying to support a business that, you know, supported our lives and watching it you know, for your parents, you know, it completely went down in, you know, some internet hellfire for my dad, a hundred percent. My dad is very successful with what he has done. And I respect the hell out of him. Could he have grown to multiple practices and things like that? Had he been open to some of the things that I was suggesting? A hundred percent. It wasn't his vision. We weren't on the same page and that's okay. But I think you and I are here today because we see like the writing on the wall, like you said, and it's, for me, it's what's interesting. A hundred percent, like the typical consolidators freak me out, but actually, you know, COVID really brought in some different things that we hadn't really seen a ton of in veterinary medicine before in terms of like private equity money coming in and being like, Oh, what's this industry that's doing really well during a global pandemic? Oh, we'll pour some money into this. And so now you're dealing with situations where, like you said, they're spending an advertising budget. They're bringing on really talented people to execute on marketing strategies. Some of these groups, they might be hiring people from like successful startups that are out in the world. You know, I know, I know too much gossip, but I won't like reveal exactly what I'm getting at. But like some of these big veterinary brands are hiring people that were really successful marketers for other really successful big brands that you know. So 
all of a sudden you're just seeing this influx of things that are going to make it harder and harder. Like I'm not opposed to consolidators or private equity, you know, backed veterinary groups. I'm not opposed to them, but at my core, I always want to see the small businesses win because that's what I grew up in, you know? And so I think that's what we're trying to kind of say is on the horizon. (laughs) Well, and like, I think a lot of this is going to come off as like a scare tactic, but like you're incredibly successful. I built an incredibly successful business, if I might say so myself. And <laughs> and I'll tell you, I treat every day like there's a thousand threats. Some maybe are ghosts that I chase and others are real, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I treat them all the same. And, and I think that, you know, if you want to, I still think there's just this like weird line where, you know, you go to school, you, you say, I'm going to start my own clinic and I don't know. When it comes to my pet's health, I want every little detail handled. And I mean, (laughs) seriously, if I call and you put me on hold for five minutes, man, I don't know if that's what you do to me now, what are you going to do during a surgery? You're going to, you're going to miss something for five minutes. Like that's where my mind goes. And you know, if I walk in and you're like, here's a clipboard, fill this out. I'm thinking like, this isn't 1985 here. Like I'm not filling this thing out. (laughs) And and if, and if I can't book an appointment, like right from the website, you know, it's the same thing with restaurants. If I can't order food, call us to put in your order. No, I don't want to call you. I don't want to say, hey, <laughs> hey thanks for calling so-and-so pizza. Do you have it? Can you put it on hold for 10 seconds? Yeah. What's up? Okay. I want this. Wait, what'd you say? Can you repeat that? That happened to me last night. <laughs> anyway, I was trying to order a salad and I ordered the salad and I said, yeah, I'll do it. And I'll do Italian dressing. He goes, you want the Italian salad? I'm like, no, just the dressing. He goes, but what about the salad? I'm like, the garden salad, Italian <laughs> dressing. I could have just clicked two buttons and given you my credit card. And this could have been really fast. Please don't right. do this to me. So right, like, right. Yeah, vet bad man. Ah, I don't know. Like, I love when you come on well, and you and I talk and it's just like, it's like, it's like a rage room. But yeah, I don't know. I know. We are a lot happier than we sound overall. Like we just, <laughs> when we put, you put the two of us together and it just turns into like sheer rage for some reason. And we're like, ah, the world is ending. We were sending each other like songs to hype each other up before this or like drowning pool at the bodies at the floor. Like, oh, let's go. Like, I don't know what's wrong with us. But like, I think what you're describing is like people's expectations are changing, right? Like, and they, it's, the thing is that not only are people's expectations changing, there are external players coming into veterinary medicine that are living up to those expectations, right? So that's what I mean when I say like, I speaking for the small businesses, when I say like, you need to look at what can you do to compete with somebody who has an app with 24 seven telemedicine access. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing to communicate what you do and where the value is in what you do? What are you doing to kind of make sure that pet owners understand the difference in what you do between as opposed to what that clinic does, right? Like, how are you communicating these differences so that that person's expectations of you are clear? Because when those clients' expectations of you are clear, we're going to end up with a lot less negative interactions with that client. If that client knows what you do and don't do, knows what to expect from you, knows how to work with you and communicate with you and understands like all these processes, that client's going to be a lot happier of a client. And I think that's why I'm so a hundred percent. There's a little bit of like the chicken little of like the end is coming. You guys need to try harder. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of that, but it's also, I see how stressed out veterinary professionals are right now. And it's like, 
we need to stop and take a breath and think about the things that we can do to make our lives easier using technology and communication, if that makes sense. So it's not all just like, I think the world is ending. It's like, help me help you guys. I see the stressful job that you guys have. And how can we make that less stressful, if that makes sense? Let me give you some stats. 82% of consumers feel more positive about a brand after reading customized content. Let me just say something to you listening mm-hmm. on the treadmill right now. Still pissed about <laughs> Danielle's last Instagram post. The fury is flowing through. You're hitting all of your PRs thanks to Danielle and how much she's upset you. You know, it's like, you know, when people are onboarding with us, we have so many people that do such a great job of telling the story. We also have a lot of people who are just like, I don't know, we see cats and dogs. We're happy every day. Can you just say we treat your pets like family? I'm like, no, please (laughs) don't tell us that, you know, but it's like, you know, there's all of this great data out there that says like on average, it takes five to seven impressions for people to remember your brand. So five to seven impressions. So think about that, whether it's like driving by, seeing ads, seeing social posts, like, do you think they're going to remember insert city Wilmington animal clinic? Or do you think they're going to remember bond vet? You know, it's right. like come up with a brand, come up with a pause vet, you know, have a brand, have an idea, be something different. Do you think people are going to go look at a company called best vet sites ever? Or is it whisker cloud? <laughs> Ooh, intriguing. The guy who started that must be so cool and smart and funny, you know, but it's like, you know, so we talk about branding, right? Like it's so important. I even saw something in Forbes. It said color improves brand recognition by yeah. up to 80%. Co- yeah. the color of the brand. But do you know how many people email our designers and we're like doing stuff for them? And again, this is never about like customer shaming or vet med shaming. This is about us giving you like real information because I think when you work with Danielle and, and all of the awesome things she does for branding and social media and marketing, or you work with Whisker Cloud and all the tech that we offer, you know, you, you're getting a really customized experience and you're getting it from people that genuinely care. But when people are like, yeah, you know, make us a logo, make sure there's a cat and a dog silhouette. And we like the color green. Well, yeah, I like the color green. There's 1400 shades of it. We're going you know, <laughs> to, we're going to have to, do you, you want mint or do you want like forest green? Cause those two are super, super different. Do you want incredible Hulk green or yeah. so? <laughs> Cause it's going to communicate something different, right? Like what you just wrote yeah. down, like it is. So at the snout group, we do a lot with design, right? And we recently worked with a, um, a group that is going to be opening up in the Montreal area. And we really thought about like the, they gave us like kind of a general idea of some colors that they liked and didn't like, but you know what, like the colors weren't based on, Oh, Hey, I like green. It was based on like, what is this brand? What are you trying to communicate? Who are you trying to attract? Right. And so like the color palette that we end up with the logo that we end up with, it's all in line with the hours and hours I spent with their leadership getting them on the same page of who they're trying to attract as far as clients and as far as team members, like a lot really goes into that, right? So there's lots of different (sighs) components of these things and, and they matter because it's, we didn't just do, you know, picking out their colors and doing their logo for them. We did social templates and we did art that they can then use and like hang in the hospital, right? So that if I'm looking at the Instagram, it feels the same as when I walk in the door, 
right? Like we literally looked at like what the architect is planning. Marie Ev over at Planimal, huge shout out if you need <laughs> a great, great uh, veterinary hospital architect. But she gives us insight into the hospital that Planimal is designing so that then we can say, okay, how do we play off of that, right? And like all of that then makes somebody feel like an increased sense of trust because all of this looks really put together, right? And like psychologically, you hate to admit it, but like if you see a person and based on how they they are dressed, right? Like if I show up and I'm in like a stained t-shirt and like leggings, like if you saw what I look like day to day when I'm working from home behind the scenes, I don't know if you would trust me. <laughs> you're saying, you know wait, I mean? you said sting the, sting the singer? <laughs> wait, what? Sting the singer? <laughs> I think you said you had a sting t-shirt? I so no stained t-shirt. <laughs> oh, I'm like, wait, why is she wearing a stained t-shirt? I'm wearing a queen t-shirt right now, which is like a few steps away from the police, I guess. But you know, but like, if I like look all disheveled like that, it's not. I'm absolutely. I am not condoning this. I wish this wasn't how literally psychologically we work. But if I look all disheveled like that, versus if you see me at a conference and I am like, you know done up, dressed professionally, you know, everything looks like I, you know, have washed my hair that week. Like there's a difference in how you present yourself and how we as humans read that, right? Like I said, I'll say it like 20 times just to be clearer. Like I don't condone it. It's just how our brains work. And so same kind of thing. Like I want to land on your website and I want that to give me a vibe that then I'm going to get on your social, that then I'm going to get when I go into your practice. And all of those little details add up to build that trust. Like you were saying, if somebody hands you a clipboard and you're like, excuse me, <laughs> do you guys have like old school x-rays back there too? Or are you still like developing film? What's happening? You know what I mean? Like it starts to breed these ideas in your head that like everything might be a mess. So I think that's truly why it's so important to put more thought into what your logo is and what your colors are and whatever, like what your social media looks like, because at the end of the day, it's going to allow somebody to trust you because they're going to be like, Oh, you put effort into this, right? <laughs> like it just helps build that. And so I hate to see people avoiding it. And then the one other thing I'm like, Bear with me. I'm going to ramble a little. Uh, <laughs> I had an I had an espresso shot before we talked. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I know it's dangerous. It's dangerous zone. We said like we might set things on fire and run around and just scream and like yeah, I, I, it's going to be. I feel like me and you are the kids in uh, Talladega Nights, just running around screaming anarchy. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on that note, with all that brand stuff. Like you were saying, like, are people going to remember like XYZ Town Veterinary Clinic or do they see Bonvet and they start to know what Bonvet is, right? Not only that, but like those brands, because they look so good, they're aspirational. Those brands are having an easier time hiring because these young veterinary professionals want to work in a beautiful atmosphere with a cool brand that gets cool merch. Like they obviously want real deliverables behind that. You can't just have a pretty brand and treat your employees like crap and pay them terribly, right? Like they want tangible things as well. But if I'm looking at two jobs and one is like a dark, dingy, 
smelly old hospital with a random paw print logo and, and nothing else versus a hospital that is going to offer me exactly the same job opportunity and pay but it is a beautiful space with like a cool logo that is a cool brand that I want to be associated with. What do you think I'm going to pick? You, you know what's funny about that? We just had someone leave here and she's great. And, and I'm like, so where are you going? She says, oh, I got my dream <laughs> job. She's doing influencer marketing at Hot Topic. And like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm not, Whisker Cloud's not competing with that. L- listen, love Whisker Cloud. This is my company and I run it. Marvel calls me like, hey, you want to be the executive producer of the next Hulk movie? I'm like, yeah, Whisker Cloud, go. you're dead to me. Bye. <laughs> that would take about 10 seconds or less for me to be like, mm, well, that's my baby, but I love Hulk more. Bye. <laughs> Just give the baby up for adoption and move on with your life. <laughs> Put it right into the River Nile like Moses and send it away. Oh yeah, my like God. that's. <laughs> but like that's it's exactly the the thing is like you are you are such a Marvel stand right like you love Marvel you like. I wasn't surprised that when you listed off types of green, like the third type of green you could think of was Hulk green. <laughs> I'm, well, I, you know, I was saying that and I'm thinking like, I'm staring at more Hulk statues and art. And I'm thinking like, if I say Hulk green first, that's going to come off weird. <laughs> first option. You know what I mean? We're just going to start there. Base level. We'll just do Hulk, Hulk green, Iron Man red. Yeah. Like these are, <laughs> these are your color palettes. I understand. But like, I think that, you think of something like a Marvel, right? And like, I know what that stands for. I know what to expect, right? Like I know if there's a new Marvel movie that comes out, I rarely want to go to the movie theater. It's one of the few times I want to go to the movie theater because it's going to be loud and raucous and like ridiculous. So that's I do want to have fun. the movie theater try it sometime. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I think that it's a good example of like knowing what to expect is good branding, right? So I, I'm not going to go watch a Marvel movie for, you know, like a quiet, relaxing time and like a deep thought <laughs> type of <laughs> movie, right? I'm going to go because I just want to like zone out and it's going to be loud and it's going to be fun, right? And so I think that that is a great way to kind of explain what branding is in a way. Um, because again, like I'm not going to go into this Marvel movie and then come back out and be like, uh, that was loud. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? You know? <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite like consumer brand that you frequent? Like as far as like, like clothing, like clothing shoes, or... technology. Yeah. It's ooh, if I had to like narrow it down, I would say anything probably it's like, it's like more like Sephora as like an overall brand is probably where I spend the majority of my money. Close follow-up would be, I really love um, Equinox and the Soho house brands. I love really like bougie experience based type things. Same. Yeah. So I'm like, actually getting a pedicure <laughs> while we're doing this right now. <laughs> But like, I love stuff like that, where I know what I'm going to get, right? Like if I go into an Equinox, I know that they're going to have like cucumber water and they're going to have like all pretty fancy toiletries and everything's going to be black and sleek and look really cool. And like the bathroom's like a spa. I moved to a location that I'm like in the middle of nowhere, central Massachusetts. So now when I go into my gym, I don't expect it to be Equinox and I'm not mad at that. It's not that brand. And so I'm not going to go write them a bad review and be like, 
you guys had inspirational brush, like brush song <laughs> quotes in your bathroom instead of luxury spa experience. I am very upset. And your new and your new gym just has a live laugh love thing from like yeah, TJ Maxx, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like crooked on the wall. Well, and I'm going somewhere with this. So my I guess my question is: so like you're at Sephora, and mm-hmm. and like something you don't have a good customer experience. You're loyal to the brand, and let's say you have. I'm not going to say it's like the worst thing ever. Let's say you have a pretty bad experience. Do you think you do? Does your depending on your answer, I could be going nowhere or I could be going really somewhere. <laughs> so we'll see where where this heads. But like, let's say you have a horrible brand experience. Are you freaking out? Are you going nuclear? Or are you like going to them and saying like, hey, this really sucks. I, I love you guys. Like, where, where do you typically land? Or are you just like, hey, this sucks. I've supported you. I've spent so much money. I think it's actually a really good question because I'm a really... I'm a private reviewer. Like I'll let somebody know like, Hey, this didn't go so well. And I'll give them a chance to rectify it. If they don't rectify it, then I will like rain down with hellfire, like a hundred percent because I hate you know, I if it's like, my, I'm ignored. You on your social media I know, pages. I know it's very surprising, <laughs> but I think what you're saying is a good example that I can think of is I, this is very relevant to you. Dry bar, the blowout bar where they like just blow dry your hair. I'm going um, there next. <laughs> with all of your long flowing locks but um i know <laughs> but that's a great example of i loved that brand and i had a lot of really great experiences with them and then i had one really bad experience and i didn't care i could kind of tell like that particular location didn't have their shit together whatever I still went back to another location in the future because overall I have good brand loyalty to the dry bar as a whole. Right. And so like it does a hundred percent make me feel I'm a lot less likely to pop off on a brand that I love versus some random thing. Thank God you made my point. Cause I mean, that's where I was really (laughs) taking this. Well, it's like, you know, if like, if I go to like, you know, if I go to like Viore, which is like 90% of what I wear now, and I go buy like a t-shirt <laughs> and something happens, let's go back and be like, hey guys, this, you know, something happened with this shirt. Can I exchange it for a new one or I'm going to get another one? Yeah. You know, but if I go to like local little, you know, if I'm out traveling somewhere and I pick up a t-shirt somewhere and it goes to hell, I'm going to go to them and be like, listen guys, like, you know, I've never experienced you, but this is my one of one experience with you. And this is garbage. Take this back. I'm never coming back. I don't think in either case I'm freaking out, but I think for veterinary medicine, like I think whisker cloud has done a good job of that too. Like we, we have so few like people go nuclear, which is crazy of a company our size. Like you, we should expect one to two a week and we don't even have that. It's like, there's like a new, reaction also like once every six months and it's always over <laughs> something like it's always over something just like so insane like right. typically very small but i but i also i think because people know we care and, and we really give a shit but i i think at the veterinary level i think one of the reasons i could never own a veterinary hospital is i would be so 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 concerned with the branding matching the team matching the aesthetic <laughs> matching our how we talk to people i think i would drive yep. everyone crazy but i mean because i would want it to be still unlocked like there'd be rules like no one's on hold more than 15 seconds you know this is right. this is the script you wish everyone a happy whatever date is what you do at whisker cloud if anyone ever sends in support tickets you will see it's like happy tuesday happy wednesday that's what our team has right. been taught to do because you know what we're all stressed and sometimes someone says happy wednesday and it's not a happy wednesday you're like you know what it's not so bad thanks <laughs> thanks stranger at whisker cloud who was trained by their OC, OCD CEO. Good for him. But yeah, but like the branding, the marketing, the messaging should match the experience. And I just think in vet med, that is just 
it feels impossible if you're not going to spend some money and commit to having the brand and then paying for the technology. Like, I don't understand the people who are like, don't want online booking. Why do you want to be on the phone all day? Have you ever talked to pet parents? Like, do you want to do this all day? Let's, you know, it's like on, on other calls, I say, is it vet med crazy? But now since we're all here together, vet med, let's, let's spin it at the pet parents. Aren't pet parents crazy? <laughs> Everybody's, I think, a little crazy after you've been all in a pressure cooker of COVID. And I think that's a huge thing that like a lot of veterinary clinics are forgetting right now. They think they're like in a unique position of being super stressed. Like, look at the restaurant industry. Look at the other industries were highly impacted by COVID and everybody's like a little bit on high alert. So we've got to like increase our empathy. But I also think like to your point, regarding what your veterinary clinic would look like with your messaging and everything like that. Like when you do all of those things, again, you're delivering a consistent experience so that if you do have the odd hiccup, because of course, I mean, I've been a practice manager. I know that every hire, no matter how hard you try is not perfect. And then also we're human. So not everybody can be a perfect angel employee every single day. I totally understand that. But that being said, when you have that blip, it's a lot easier to come back. If somebody's like, you know what, like I've come to this clinic and they have always, you know, delivered an X, Y, Z way. So I actually feel like I'm going to give them another shot. I'm not going to go attack them on the internet. You know what I mean? And I will say like, there are people that do invest. I'm working with a client right now in Boston that specifically we're figuring out like, uh, like say this, not that list for their team about how they present things and how they word things. And these things, they seem, I think in, in veterinary medicine, there's this thing, if you're like not actively restraining a fractious cat, you're not working. <laughs> and I think that's a mentality that hurts the business side of veterinary medicine so much because so many practice owners or practice managers even are in a position where they're working in their business way more than they're working on their business. Right. And I mean, besides everybody going out and reading Dr. Peter Weinstein's Emith veterinarian about this kind of problem, the biggest thing I can say is like, you've got to, like I was saying, you've got to take a timeout. If you don't take a timeout to stop and figure out some of these systems, you're going to end up with bigger problems. Like there's so much on the other side of this that turns into chaos that could have been avoided with a little bit of preparation. And that was, you keep (laughs) alluding to my Instagram popping off. (laughs) I am a practical solutions person at the end of the day. So if I see something go wrong, I take a step back and I say, where did I mess up? How can I do better the next time? What can I look at to prevent this, right? I, I don't like to bury my head in the sand like an ostrich. And so what I had talked about on my Instagram that got everybody so upset was talking about preventing PR crises, like what happened in Maine a couple Here of weeks we ago with, yeah, with that German Shepherd puppy. Can you, can you share the story? For for like just like a like a sixty second synopsis for those I'm sure most people have heard it. I think it's almost like I almost assume everybody knows it, but if you don't know the case, honestly, it's not that unique of a story. It's a situation where a German Shepherd puppy ate like a barbecue skewer and it perforated some. It was I don't do medical, but it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was going to be a really expensive surgery. And so it was going to be, I think, $10,000. And the owner only qualified for a loan of like a portion of that. And they ended up asking her to surrender the dog. And so then she went on a tirade with like Newsweek magazine picked it up. But it's like, you know, it looks like the veterinary hospital stole this dog in the end. And the reason I say that this isn't, you know, I empathize with this practice. Like that is a terrible situation to be in. But here's the thing. It's not unique. This has happened. I've seen this happen over and over and over again in the time that I have worked on the veterinary internet. Number one cause that I see of PR disasters is surrenders. Okay. Like taking somebody's pet away is not going to end in a happy story, probably. <laughs> so, so this is where this podcast is about to get weird because. <laughs> So I want people to understand where I sit. And to be honest, I've read your posts, but I also, I don't know if I have a clear answer of where you specifically stand on this. So yeah. let me, let me give my thoughts on this, which I think could get me in some hot water, but whatever. I have an executive <laughs> producer job lined up at Marvel. So whatever. <laughs> I'm one to say, oh man, am I going to get in trouble? Whatever. I'm one to say like, if I get a pet, I should have the funds ready for anything that can happen. Sure. With that being said, veterinary medicine has to, has to, has to figure out a way to figure out payment plans and insurance and things like that and to promote it. Because honestly, someone said on this podcast once it like blew my mind. I was seriously listening to them and I'm like, I cannot believe I never thought of it that way. It's like, this isn't like human medicine where, mm -hmm. you know, you go get x-rays, you do this and I'm like, Oh, it's $5,000. It's like, no, here's insurance. You owe. Well, I won't get into that. But anyway, you probably saw a lot. Of, this is America. But uh, like the, the point is like, it's not like you're not paying a hundred percent. We're in vet med. Your dog eats a skewer, which guess what? That's on you. You don't mm -hmm. let that happen. You have kids. Mm -hmm. Don't let them do that shit. Don't let them fall down the stairs. You have a dog. Don't let them eat the skewer really quick. I want your opinion, but I'm just going to tell a 30 second story. My cousin, Justin, sorry, man, if you're listening to this really successful guy is <laughs> a senior vice president. One of the biggest companies on earth makes good money, has a Corgi puppy at home. Life's hectic. He's got a lot going on at work. Recently, he walks over his Corgi puppy is sitting there chewing on something. He picks it up. Yep. It's a little ibuprofen like oh, to go pack it thing rushes to the vet. Holy shit. Anyway, it ends up being like $3,500. And he's like, man, like, and he didn't even know about the German Shepherd thing. And he's like, what would have happened if I couldn't have paid that? I'm like, that's interesting you say yeah. that because there's a German Shepherd thing happening right now. So that's kind of where I stand. It's like, if I have a pet, I better know, like, again, this, this is how my brain works. I'm always ready for the worst thing on earth. Yeah. So, but do you agree with me or am I off there? Or am I wrong? Does VetMed disagree with me? I think that... Vet med. Okay, here's the thing. There's a couple things to like unpack here. When I say that we should look at options for, you know, payment, and we need to like expand upon that. I'm not saying that a pet owner is relieved of all responsibility in terms of what it financially means to take a pet. I'm not advocating for it. When I made this post, I made a mistake in terms of my timing because the topic was too hot. Like it needed to be hot so that people would pay attention, but it was too hot where everybody went into lizard brain attack mode. Like just you've attacked me and that they were really upset. 
And everybody read it as I'm like saying like, oh yeah, go buy a blue Merle French bulldog for $6,000. And then like, yeah, it's your vet's problem to pay for the bills. Like, no, absolutely not. But I, I am an advocate for the fact that like, let's be realistic. Like you can prepare as much as you want. You never know what's going to happen, right? What if I'm a pet owner that owns a small boutique gym during COVID, right? And all of my money is now gone, right? Like shit happens in life. You know what I mean? And like not every pet owner is perfect. And I think that veterinary medicine puts an unfair onus on the pet owner to be this perfect person with, you know, $20,000 in savings that would never, ever leave their cabinets open so that a dog could get into something that they shouldn't get into. Right. And like, we got to be realistic that like this stuff is going to happen and that that person sometimes, yes, there's terrible people out there, but I can't emphasize enough that we can't let ourselves let a few bad eggs make us think that every pet owner out there is out to get us and doesn't want to pay and all of that. To me, we need to control what we can control, right? Like you're going to be a very unhappy person if you try to control other people all of the time. So instead of like putting everything on the pet owner, we've got to like focus on what we can do in terms of maybe instating no surrender policies. What are we doing to communicate about pet insurance or payment plan options? What are we doing to communicate about the cost of care, right? Like what are we doing to interact with the community and have conversations with people that are thinking about getting a bulldog puppy. Okay. Like, and let's talk about what that means. What are you doing proactively? Because to me, and I say this with all the like love in my heart, I don't think that veterinary medicine is doing a good enough job at proactively communicating the cost of veterinary medicine. To me, that's on the individual veterinary clinics that aren't doing it well enough, but it's also on like organizational medicine. Like I don't see the AVMA coming out and like really doing a great campaign to pet owners that explains what this involves. And so I really like, again, I I say this stuff not to make people feel bad, like, oh, you guys are doing a shitty job communicating. But I'm just saying like, if we want to stop ending up in these stressful situations where you're in Newsweek getting bashed by millions of people and, you know, your clinic's being attacked by strangers, if we want to avoid that situation, we've got to actually stop and think about what we can do to control things. And is it going to go perfectly every single time? No, (laughs) but at least we need to be making more proactive efforts so that we know that we you know, we put our best foot forward, so to speak. So that's kind of where I stand, if that makes sense. Like, I think everybody should be responsible for their own shit. But when I say that, I'm saying pet owners don't work at a vet clinic all day. They have no idea what your job is or what it costs or anything. So you've got to have that reality in your mind and come to terms with it that they aren't all veterinary professionals. And you need to Talk to them at a level that they understand, like we're talking like a sixth grade level for the public, explain to them what responsible pet ownership looks like and help them become a responsible pet owner instead of just demonizing them for not having $10,000 on hand because we're going into an economic recession. Like, let's let's be real. So yeah, that's kind of my... <laughs> my short version <laughs> of what I think.
So I have I have a follow up for you there. Well, I have I have like three thoughts. Number one, actually, presidential <laughs> speeches are written at a third grade level, and I think and I believe most marketing should be done at a third grade level. That's for everything. Things marketed to me should be at a third grade level too. Like yeah. I'm not saying like you know, and the way we market to veterinary medicine is we write it so someone it it shouldn't be complicated. Third grade level doesn't mean you're stupid. It means attention is hard to get in life and we need it to yes. be quick and easy. So the second thing I'll say is I would say if, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately since this thing came up, I think if I owned a vet hospital, these situations would be the hardest ones for me to deal with. Cause I would look at the pet owner and be like, I would say like, you got this pet, you assume the responsibility, you let it eat the fucking <laughs> skewer. And now I'm going to get destroyed because you like made three bad missteps. I just can't imagine like to be put in that position. I really feel for the hospital, but again, I think that's where it's like, there needs to be some level of escalation there where they're like, Hey, this is the current situation. We're going to go off the rails here and I can feel it. And I say that at whisker cloud, every one of my employees listening to this, they've heard me say it. If like, if something happens, I'm always like, why are you telling me now? I don't want to (laughs) know when the train goes off the tracks. I want to know, Hey, the other day, Something felt a little wobbly on the tracks, but we figured it out and we fixed it. But oftentimes people come in and we're like, well, you're busy. We didn't want to tell you, but the train actually is off the bridge and everyone's dead. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I have a harsh thing on And I feel bad for veterinary medicine who have to continually defend their prices. Because I, I mean, like this is, well, we, we keep saying on this podcast, like, what would I do if I owned a hospital? I wouldn't because like, I know what it's like to deal with pet parents. They'd be like $17 to clip my cat's nails. And I'd be like, yep, actually, here's what we're going to do. We think it'll be funny for our staff and it'll be like a big mood boost for them. We're going to give you $17, but you have to clip your cat's nails in front of all of us. <laughs> and, we, and we're going to watch and laugh. So, and we hope you don't bleed, but if you do, you know, it'll be $17 worth. So, but like, I, you know, I, but I also want vets to, it's tough. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a right answer other than, you know, to be honest, you know, it's like, complicated. Let, let me ask a weird question. This is a really yeah. weird question. It has nothing at all to do with the clinic right. that happened at. But like, I guess my, I have a thought here. Mm, this is going to sound really, really bad and elitist. We're just going to play a game. This is totally fictitious. <laughs> Does that situation happen at Bonvet? So I was actually going to say my comparison that I think would be f- more fair because Bond is more like urgent care. They don't really get into like, I don't, I don't think that they would really be dealing with a case of that level from my understanding of the brand. I could be wrong, but I think a better example would be veg veterinary emergency group. Yeah. So I actually talked to several people who work at veg and they have a strong policy of, we don't take people's pets. Like it's ingrained in them. Right. So like we don't take pet people's pets as part of their brand. All right. And so that is like, at the end of the day, that pillar of their brand then informs every decision that happens as they go down the line, you know, helping this pet. And so they also, what's really unique about Veg is they do everything in front of the pet owner, right? And my friends that work at Veg say that people, people get like really involved in the process. They like are really curious. And at the end, they pay because they see the value, right? Now, again, you could still end up in a situation where people don't have $10,000, even if they like really understood the value of what you did and things like that. I think this is where this is, and this is a super controversial 
opinion. And a lot of people will tell me I don't even get to have this opinion because I'm not a veterinarian. But I think because I'm not a veterinarian, I'm able to depersonalize it and see something that maybe not everybody sees. But I think there are situations where euthanasia is the right choice for the pet and for everybody involved. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. It's a tough one. What if it's like a six-year-old dog? But here's the thing is it's like if you're in a scenario where nobody can pay and that like the outcome isn't guaranteed and there's no backup option. I have talked to several veterinarians and I know from growing up in a veterinary hospital with my dad as a veterinarian, sometimes like you got to see that not as a loss, right? Like, and I don't mean in like, obviously no, like a loss mean. of the pet, no, I get it, yeah. but I mean, as a personal loss, like you did not fail that pet by doing that. That's just the, the reality. And so like, I know that that's like a super loaded thing to say. And it's like super nuanced. Um, I think my friend and former client, Dr. Trina Hancock, she's a Whisker Cloud client, Dr. Trina Vet on Instagram. She's done a couple posts about this from a veterinarian's perspective that I think are really worth looking at. Cause I just worry that like, ugh, like everybody in veterinary medicine is taking every outcome so personally that they're putting themselves in a situation where that perfectionism is like just rearing its ugly head and people just beat themselves up on stuff that like at a point it's out of your control. If this person took on this pet and something's happened to it and they can't pay, it's not your personal mission to save the world i know i just I, I would be i mean this is like, this is why it's good that you and i are talking about it because like i and i'm sure we have people listening who are on like really far sides on this on either yes, side absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean it's just for me it's just tough and see for me like i wouldn't do well because i would look at the pet parent i'm like i'm like oh, God, yeah i would say so like what am i supposed to do right now you can't pay for this i have to pay my staff i run a business even if i gave you this to you at cost and you can't pay for this i'm either gonna lose money which hurts the people here which hurts my business which hurts other pet parents or this dog's gonna die tonight right and or or i'm gonna have to just put it down take the loss on that either way like it's just it's just a bad situation you know it's like my wife and i always say like you know the problem is like any two people on earth can go get a dog or cat like on craigslist and yeah we also say that about yeah. having kids we're like any two people can have kids which is really scary should be a training yeah so it's just like yeah. yeah i man see that's why I think the thing that like vets can take away from this, like two marketers and business people talking about this is like, we see beyond just the website and stuff, but this is where maybe you have, maybe you have processes in place where you never even find yourself in that position. And you know, someone's going to say, Hey, can that's, you take care of this dog? That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. It's like having processes in place where you're communicating stuff effectively. You're offering, I mean, this is the other thing I got absolutely reamed for, but offering payment plans. And I'm not saying you become a bank. No, I'm saying you outsource that to a third party. And there's lots of options where it doesn't even have to be credit-based. Like over 50% of Americans have been been denied a loan because of their credit. The reality is that not everybody has great credit, but that doesn't mean that they're not necessarily going to pay. Something like a vet billing like payment plan, that is something that you can decide whether or not you approve them. There is a soft credit check that doesn't affect their credit if you want. But like that then just does ACH automated payments. And it's like legally binding and they'll handle collections if it doesn't, you know, if they don't pay. But I think they have like something like 93% payment compliance. And when I use them at my practice for a couple of years, 
I think we had like one person that didn't pay. And that was a lot better than like the $30,000 in AR my dad had from like, oh yeah, sure. Pay me later. You know, yeah, you um, just can't do so, that. No. And so like having options like this, like a hundred percent, I do not have all the answers, but to me, I do communicating stuff, having payment plans. And also, like I said, not taking that end result so personally. And I know that's easier said than done, but like, I just see this dangerous trend in, especially like younger veterinary professionals taking everything like I'm dealing with my own perfectionism in therapy. So I think that's why I see it from a million miles away now. I'm like, Oh my God, all these poor veterinarians are doing the same thing. And I just wish that they wouldn't always take it so, so, so to heart because it's like, you can't live every day like that. And so all of this, yeah, like it it is, (laughs) it's all connected truly though, like to bring it all together to your brand and your marketing strategy. Because it's going to help guide you through these kinds of situations. You know what I mean? Like it really is giving, you know, both your team, yourself and the pet owner a like map of like who you are when you have a good brand strategy and a good marketing strategy. And you're just setting everybody up for success, in my opinion. So I completely agree um, with all of that. (laughs) (laughs) thank you yes tell me more about how great i am adam thank you (laughs) (laughs) so bad (laughs) no i mean so you know with a couple minutes left here talk to me about like what you're up to how you're you know you do work with a lot of whisker cloud customers tell me what you're working on right now yeah so my end goal right now is that i want every clinic in veterinary medicine and every veterinary professional to have a clear idea of what their brand is. Like I said, it can prevent all of these catastrophes if we know who we are and we can communicate that effectively. And so I have a couple different options. Obviously, Snout School has been around for, oh my God, almost 10 years, teaching you how to use social media. But now we've taken a step back and said, what are you even going to say on social media, right? So we have our veterinary branding lab over at Snout School where you can figure out what your brand is so that you know exactly what to communicate to attract your ideal client, to do more of the services you love to do, and to attract your ideal team member. So we've got that over there. It's great for a clinic that's trying to do those goals or like a personal brand who's trying to, you know, become the next veterinary influencer or educate their community or find their ideal mentor or be a mentor, whatever, sell CE to your colleagues, all of that jazz. So we've got that course there on Sound School. And then I have on the kind of behind the scenes side of things, I have the snout group. And that's where instead of you doing that yourself, going through the course, I do it with you and for you. I help you figure out what your brand and your marketing strategy is. And that can get real deep. It could be like literally sitting down with all of your, like your founders and figuring out what the mission is and like getting that clarity. I feel like a therapist sometimes. <laughs> and so I do a lot of that work through VIP days where I spend the whole day with the client and we just figure out everything that you want to communicate and how we're going to say it online. And then I go back and I give you something called your veterinary brand formula that becomes a reference that your, you know, your team can use 
to say like, oh, hey, this is how we say this. These are our core values. This is who we're trying to attract so that you really get clear on who you are and aren't for and what you do and don't do. And I also can offer things like copywriting. What are the headlines going to say on your homepage? Like, what are the key messages that you are going to say? What's your slogan? Things like that, right? So this is something that plays we really well. We treat your well, pet honestly. like family. That's our Exactly, slogan. please. Oh my God. You know what my new pet peeve one is? Is veterinary care reimagined. If I see veterinary care reimagined, you're like, you're not reimagining it if you're using those words. That's my new trigger one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, here's the thing. We all say these things. I've used the, we use like, you know, we treat your pet like family. And they get played out. So like, I really come in to give you more unique things to say. And so we play really well with Whisker Cloud because we can help you figure out like how many people come to Whisker Cloud and they're like, I don't know, build us a website. And it's like, no, what it's are 50, you about? I mean, no, it's, it's 50%. <laughs> but again, like we're here to help and we've got a lot of creative people here. But the thing I always say to people who come to us and, you know, if you're out there listening to your customer, you've all seen our survey. It's definitely evolved over the years. Um, and it really helps us. We do kickoff calls. But I think what's interesting about it, so many people are like, just build me a website. And I'm like, listen, like I have a pescatarian diet. I, the only meat I eat is fish and I'm selective about other things. So it's like, I go to a restaurant, I go to a nice restaurant. I'm like, bring me anything. Yo, there's like, there's a very, there's a 70% chance. I mean, unless it's like a piece of halibut, a big piece of salmon, sea bass or something, or, you know, like I'll eat anything other than pretty much steak. But yeah, so like it just, it just would never work that way. You go to a car dealership. Hey, I need a car. Great. Do you want a Ford or do you want a sedan? Do you want an SUV? Uh, Just bring something out. Like you would never do that. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. You can't do that and then expect a custom feeling result. Right. And the thing is like Whisker Cloud is such an amazing tool for somebody to communicate their vision, but they need to come to you with that vision. Right. And so if they need extra like help on that, that's a hundred percent what I'm here for and what I can help with. And so it, again, for either like your vet clinic or your personal brand, that's what I'm really great at. And it can even get into like, I've helped people figure out what their ideal service is going to be, what they're going to offer, how they're going to like bring in that business. Like we build out a lot of that background stuff. And then, you know, you guys at WhiskerCloud can help them execute on it. So that's a big piece of it. Well, and everyone listening, we're going to have all this in the show notes, links to Danielle. So there's going to be a lot of information. This pop, well, like they know where this is recording, but don't forget <laughs> to like, share, subscribe, and read the show notes on this because there's going to be a lot of links for Danielle. We'll link you up. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being here, Danielle. Totally. 